Well, as we walk through John chapter 3 and as we begin to enter John chapter 4, one of the consistent themes that um, we have seen is this issue of baptism. John the Baptist was baptizing, Jesus' disciples were. And so several weeks ago, I felt that it might be really good for us just to kind of pause, since there's such a great emphasis um, connected with this in John about baptism, that we would look and see what does the Bible actually say um, about this. As a kid, I remember my grandfather, who was a pastor, telling a story, and he had, he had a number of different stories in regard to baptism. But uh, while he was going to seminary, he was the pastor at First Baptist Cisco. And one of the things that happened as they were living there is that they had a dog named Old Blue. And Old Blue disappeared um, for a couple of days, and they couldn't find him anywhere. And, and so this was back in the days where... You had Wednesday night church preaching, you had Sunday morning preaching, you had Sunday night preaching, and Old Blue had been missing for a while. And so on this particular Sunday night, my grandfather was standing as I am here, but it was a typical church building where back behind the pastor, there's a water baptistry back there because there was consistent baptisms happening. And so my grandfather was up there, he was holding his Bible, and he, as he would tell the story, and he's preaching a passionate sermon, and he's communicating things, and he noticed throughout the congregation that people were giggling and began to laugh, but they didn't really know what to do about it. And then he began to notice that they were not looking at him. They were looking beyond him. And as he stopped and turned around to see what they were looking at, and as he looked at the baptistry, he had realized that Old Blue had come into the church. And he was up in the baptistry, and he was swimming around uh, during the sermon. And so uh, my grandfather tells that story, and and, uh, and I, I have not forgotten it. But we're not going to going to talk about necessarily what happens in a building but we want to understand and we will a little bit but we want to understand what is the theological emphasis scripturally and what does the bible have to say um, about this as john chapter 3 ends john is giving after this great this great understanding of what it means to be born again and how do you come to salvation john gives an invitation in a sense to invite people to believe look with me in john chapter 3 Verse 36, this is, how, this is how it ends, and he makes this great powerful statement. He says, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. And so as we begin this morning to look at what does the Bible have to say about water baptism, I think we have to begin with um, an important question that is out there in the church today, Um, depending on maybe where some of us have grown up. But the question is simply this. Is water baptism necessary for salvation, or is salvation purely grounded in belief and faith in Jesus? Now, according to John, as he ends this great chapter on being born again and, and looking at salvation, in this invitation in verse 36, John doesn't mention anything in regard to water baptism he mentions that it is belief in jesus christ that is what is the key and so today we will look at this reality that if water baptism was a requirement for salvation then i believe it would be stated plainly here at the end of this great part in john chapter 3 about coming to faith in christ and i believe actually it would also just permeate all of the new testament 
At every place where salvation is mentioned, every place where there is great teaching on how someone comes to know Christ as their Savior, it seems to be that connected with that would be statements and sentences and verses to support that water baptism is connected with salvation. Now I looked um, over the last several weeks at how many times the word baptism is in the New Testament and how many times the word baptized is there. So the word baptism is in the New Testament 22 times. Of those 22 times, 13 of them specifically refer to water baptism. Now the word baptized is in the New Testament more. It is in there 50 times. And of those 50 times, 41 of those, the word baptized or baptized is connected with um, water baptism. So there are 54 references in the New Testament about water baptism. So that is in the Gospels, that is in the book of Acts, and that is also in the letters. But when you look at the New Testament, you look at some really key words about salvation. When you talk about the word faith, and you talk about the word believe, the word believe is in the New Testament 258 times. The word faith in regard to believing in Christ, it is in there 296 times. So when you look at Water baptism in the New Testament, 54 specific references to water baptism in the New Testament, and 554 references to belief and faith in Jesus. This would seem to indicate to us early on and very clearly that water baptism, very important, and we will see that today, is not necessary for you and I to come to faith in Christ and to receive salvation from God. It is faith alone in Christ alone. Now I want to ask you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 just for a moment because Paul makes a statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that I think is really significant for us. We know Paul, this great missionary, uh, a, a, a man who established many, many churches, taught the church what they ought to do, Um, Once the church was established, how they ought to practice things in regard to baptism and other teaching. And Paul makes an interesting statement in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. So look with me and let's read that together. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. And here's what Paul says. For Christ did not send me to baptize. Listen to that again. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Now think about this for a moment. If baptism, water baptism, was critical and necessary for salvation, why in the world would the Apostle Paul say, I was not sent to baptize, but I was sent to preach? Now again, Paul is not demeaning or belittling water baptism. It is very, very important to our faith. But what Paul is communicating is that there are some things that are greater. There are some things that are more significant. And as he says here, he wasn't sent to baptize even though Paul did that. And so as we walk through this subject matter um, today, um, we're going to look at why is baptism important? What is baptism? Um, What about 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 21. It's one of the uh, key things of, of those who say uh, baptism is necessary for salvation. We're going to talk about what does baptism picture and proclaim. 
Then we're going to talk about who should be baptized. What does the Bible say about who should be baptized? And then we're going to ask, okay, so when and where should someone who comes to faith, where should they be baptized and when should that happen? And then we're going to talk about how someone should be baptized. And lastly, we will talk about why should someone be baptized. And I know you're sitting at home and I have eight points, but we will get through these. Let's look at the first one. Why is baptism important? And I'm going to set forth for us four reasons why baptism, water baptism, is important. These are grounded in John 1, 24 through 28, uh, verse 33 of John chapter 1, and then John chapter 3, 22 and 23, and verse 25, and then also John chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. So let me give them to you. The first one is this. The ministry of John the Baptist was grounded in water baptism. Now, John was a preacher, but one of the core aspects of what he was entrusted with is that John called people as he preached to repent, and as they repented, they would be um, put under the water and they would be baptized. And so when John came upon the scene in the first century, one of the most key aspects of John's ministry, the forerunner of Jesus, was the ministry of baptism. And so this is one that God had ordained him to do. So his very ministry was connected with that. So that is one of the first reasons why water baptism is a very important aspect of our lives and and to give us a biblical understanding. The second reason water baptism is important biblically is in regard to Jesus' baptism. This is found in Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17. And so let me read that for us um, today. Matthew 3, starting in verse 13. And then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And, and do you come to me? And Jesus answered him, let it be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill, listen to what Jesus says, to fulfill all righteousness. And then John consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened up to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. So think through these things with me just for a moment about Jesus' baptism. Jesus himself submitted to water baptism to fulfill all righteousness. This is something that Jesus was asked to do, obviously, by the Father, because Jesus did not do anything that the Father did not want Him to do. For Jesus, His water baptism was a supernatural moment. Now, His was much more unique than ours. Ours is very important, but His had the Father's voice speaking at His baptism as the Father gave this great affirmation of Jesus. And so all of these things surrounded the baptism of Jesus um, as he was affirmed and as he participated in water baptism himself. The third reason that gives us an understanding as to why water baptism is important is this, is that Jesus led his disciples to practice baptism. So go look with me in John chapter 4 um, if, you, if you haven't turned back there. Um, but look with me in the first two verses of John chapter 4. We get some more insight about Jesus' ministry and what the disciples were doing. 
John 4, verse 1. Now, when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples. Now, think about this for a moment. This is really incredibly amazing. We know for, for many months and maybe a year, who knows how long it was, we don't really know, but John was out in the wilderness. People were coming from everywhere to be baptized by him and now we learn that the disciples under the leadership of Jesus they are baptizing in the Jordan River and they are actually baptizing more people than John the Baptist had been baptizing and so we see this that Jesus not only did he submit to baptism himself not only did John the Baptist as the forerunner had this great ministry about baptizing Jesus entrusted and led his disciples to baptize people as well. So this indicates to us Jesus considers this very important in our lives. And the fourth reason, biblically, as to why baptism is important is that water baptism is practiced all through the book of Acts. And so as the church was established in Jerusalem, as the church began to leave Jerusalem and to go to Samaria, and it began to go out to the uttermost parts of the world, those who went out and shared the gospel, they led others to faith in Christ, and then they baptized other people. So the, the word baptism is used five times in the book of Acts, and the word baptize is used 18 times. So this was the practice of the New Testament church. So let's talk now just for a moment. Second, secondly, this morning, what is baptism? Well, it's called believer's baptism for a reason. And so what is believer's baptism? What is the purpose of it? And since salvation is by grace alone, through faith in Christ alone, let's make sure we get this right and we understand what the Bible has to say about this. So water baptism is for us in our lives, biblically, to be understood as a symbol, as a figure, as a type indicating what has already taken place in our lives. We have come to faith in Christ. We have crucified our old life. We have been buried and we have been raised. And so listen to this. This is really important. Water baptism is a practice that was entrusted to the church that represents our lives identifying with our, our lives as Christians, identifying with the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Everything in the New Testament, we talk about this all the time, is about Jesus. This includes our water baptism. So it is connected with the cross of Christ, it is connected with the burial of Christ, and it is connected with the resurrection of Christ. So let's talk about the elements of a baptism just for a moment. So let's think through these pictures. We've seen those. So someone steps into water and they are standing there they are standing upright in the water and that is a picture of the cross that is a picture of someone who is willingly saying this i'm identifying my life with christ i am crucifying my old life and i'm ready to testify to that then they are put under the water there is a a burial so there's a death standing up 
There's a putting under the water to be immersed where the person is buried, representing that old life has died, it has been buried, it is done away with. And then as the person comes up out of the water, it pictures that they have been resurrected into life. Now there are some great, now let me make sure I emphasize this, great spiritual baptism verses in the Bible. So there are verses about water baptism, and then there are verses about our spiritual baptism, which takes place at salvation when we are baptized by the Holy Spirit when He comes to live in our lives. If you would, look with me in Romans chapter 6, verse 3 for a moment. Romans 6, verse 3 and 4. And this is one of the great verses about our spiritual baptism, and it pictures all three of these things connected to the life of Christ, his crucifixion, his burial, and his resurrection. Romans 6, verse 3. Paul writes, Do you not know that all of us, all who have come to faith, have been baptized into Christ Jesus? They were baptized, he says, into his death. Verse 4. We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism. This is not water baptism. This is spiritual baptism, the Holy Spirit baptism. We were, in verse 4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Let me give you one more. Just listen to this. This is Paul again in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. And he says, For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, and that is Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So what is baptism? Baptism is called believer's baptism. It is identifying our life with the very life of Jesus. His death, His burial, and His resurrection. And so it is an outward testimony of the believer's inward faith and our now new identity because we have come to know Christ, because we have been born again. It is our new identity now in who Jesus is. So that is what baptism is. We, we looked at um, you know, why baptism is important. There were four reasons there. Now, thirdly, let's deal with this text in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21. So if you would, go there. Go ahead and keep your finger in, in John chapter 3. We'll come back there for a moment. But in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter writes something that has caused much confusion um, over the last 2,000 years in regard to what did he fully mean by this. Um, but I think upon looking at it closely... Uh, we will come to understand uh, what Peter is talking about. So look with me, 1 Peter chapter 3, and I want you to go to verse 18. And I want to read 18 um, through 21. So here, here's what Peter writes. I want you to notice in the beginning this great emphasis on the life of Jesus and the suffering of Jesus. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey, when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared, 
in which a few, that is, eight persons, were brought safely through water. Now here's the verse that has caused much confusion. Baptism, Peter writes, which corresponds to this, what he's just talked about, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So I want to take a few moments and I want us to, to, to look at this because I, I, I think it's important for us to do so because there are denominations out there, there are teachings out there where they say, well, here's, here's a proof text as to why water baptism actually is essential to salvation, that you can't really have salvation, that it's not faith alone in Christ alone, but it also includes that we would be water baptized. So what is Peter actually saying in this text? Well, first of all, let me just say this. If, he was, if this is what he was intending, then all of a sudden in the midst of two full chapters talking about the greatness and the glory of Christ and then talking about the beginning of chapter 3 about the suffering of Christ, he suddenly turns the steering wheel really fast and just goes in a completely opposite direction of what he has been saying. Also, if this is what Peter is saying, then he is contradicting much of the stuff that Paul has written and he is contradicting much of the example that we see in the book of Acts. And so is this what Peter is meaning? And I do not believe that that's what Peter is meaning. But if this is truly what he is saying, again, this would be contradicting so many passages of Scripture that show people as evidence that when we receive the Holy Spirit by faith in Christ, that is when we are spiritually baptized. And then from that, there is to be a baptism of water representing what has already taken place in our lives. Let me give you an example of this. This is Acts chapter 10, verse 44. So listen to this. So while Peter was still saying these things, this is connected with Cornelius, the Holy Spirit, so Peter is speaking, he is saying truth. The text says in Acts 10, 44, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. So Peter is preaching, he is communicating the gospel, and the believers, it says in 45, from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. And then Peter says this in verse 47, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and then they asked him to remain for some days. Now watch what the text says. Peter's preaching. The Holy Spirit falls. Belief comes. That is a moment of salvation. People are baptized spiritually by the Holy Spirit. It is evident, just as the Jews had received the Spirit in salvation. And now Peter says, what is going to prevent prevent these people from being water baptized? But they came to faith. It's clear in the text through faith in the preaching of the Word in Jesus. So the fact of their receiving the Holy Spirit was the reason, watch this, was the reason why Peter now allowed them to be water baptized. It wasn't flipped. Listen to this writing from the Apostle Paul. This is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13. 
in Him, speaking of Jesus, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, here's what happened. You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is a guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of His glory. Now listen to this. Paul here talks about here's how you come to faith. Here's how the Spirit comes inside of you and to to live in you. He says this, In Him, when you heard the word of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, you believed in Him. And he talked about you received the Spirit. Now watch this. No mention of water baptism at all. If that was necessary, then Paul would be writing this and saying it's belief in water baptism and that will complete your salvation. But it's not there. Here's another one, chapter 2 of Ephesians. Famous one. We know these, this, these words. For by grace, listen, for by grace you have what? You have been saved through faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And listen what this says. And this is not your own doing. You didn't do this. God did this work. So by, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And listen to verse 9. Not a result of works. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Watch this again. Belief in Christ, faith alone rested in Him, no mention of water baptism. What, is, what happens when someone is baptized in water? They are in the water, someone lowers them down, uh, a human is lowering them, doing a work, a good work, a God-ordained work. They put them down, they are raised up. That is something that man does. And so this aspect, according to Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 as well, is not how we come to faith. And so, so is Peter saying in verse 21, baptism which corresponds to this now saves you. Is this what Peter is saying? And I don't believe he is. So let me give you a, a little bit more evidence of this. Now Peter is connecting water, baptism with salvation here, but not in regard to completing salvation, adding to salvation, or necessary for salvation. He is not saying that. Peter, what Peter is referring to here is what baptism represents. What saves us? It's the next part of what Peter writes here. It is when we make an appeal to God for a clean conscience. What happens at salvation? Our sins are forgiven. We get the covering and the grace of Christ. We now get His righteousness. He has taken our unrighteousness. And so in that moment, we get His righteousness. And so we, and it says this here, we make an appeal to God through the resurrection of Jesus. And so a conscience, so Peter makes this statement. So watch this. So he makes this statement that when you are put in the water is a biblical principle to be water baptized. But here's what happens. It just removes dirt from your body. It's not, some, it's not like being baptized by the Holy Spirit. So Peter's not saying water baptized, to be water, to be, I'm having a hard time with that, to be baptized in water doesn't bring salvation. It is important for us to follow because the Scripture commands that. But salvation comes 
when we make an appeal and we fall before God and we say, you alone, through the power of the cross and the power of the resurrection, you alone, I make my appeal and I believe and I place my faith and trust that I become clean and I get a good conscience through you alone. So the appeal to God always, always comes first, all through the New Testament. So what is first belief in repentance? And then we were baptized by the Spirit at that moment, and then we were baptized publicly to identify ourselves with Christ. Kenneth Wiest is a great um, Greek scholar. He writes of this passage this. Water baptism is clearly in the apostle's mind. Not the baptism of the Holy Spirit when he says this, baptism which corresponds to this. For he speaks of the waters of the flood as saving the inmates of the ark. And in this verse of baptism saving believers. But he says, watch what he says, here's what we says. But he says that it saves them only as a counterpart or a symbol of what actually happens. That is... Water baptism is the counterpart of the reality, salvation. It can only save as a counterpart, a symbol, not actually save. They did not actually save the believer, only in a type. You remember the Old Testament sacrifices were counterparts of the reality. They were shadows of the substance of who was Jesus. And so... When Peter writes these words, baptism, which corresponds to this, referring back to Noah and his family and the ark and the flood, and then he says the words, now saves you. He is not saying that it literally water baptism saves you. What he is saying is this, is it now becomes a symbol of what has taken place in salvation with Christ. It is a, according to this phrase here, corresponds to this, It implies a resemblance, a picture, a symbol to something that has already happened and taking place. And honestly, let's just just be honest today. The water did not save Noah and his family. What saved them? Being inside the ark. That was what saved them. It was built over 100 years, and it truly, the ark, was what rescued them. Now, the water carried them safely to eventually, when the waters receded, they were there, and the ark was on top of the mountain. So the water did not save them, though, although it did hold up the ark, and it carried them through the flood. Noah and his family were saved, how? By being in the ark. If getting wet was the salvation, or the means of salvation then Noah and his family needed to be where? Inside the ark or outside the ark? If being wet was the case, they needed to be outside the ark, but they were saved because they were inside the ark. And so Peter seems to be saying here, I believe very clearly, that when we exercise faith in Jesus, we are in him just as Noah and his family were in the ark, and we are safe. And so let me just give a couple more ideas with this before we move on. This is very, very important for us to see. 
It was not the application of water on or under the ark that brought salvation for Noah and his family, but by being inside the ark. And as they entered the ark, they were leaving the world of sin that was there that God was done with, and He was going to wipe it away, and He was to begin to start things over. So the doors were opened, they went in, they were closed, as the waters receded, and there they are on Mount Ararat. Um, they came out to a new world, and they came out to a new life. The old was passed away. There was a new life that had come. And so this is not water baptism for the whole emphasis here in First Peter 3 has been Jesus. And now Peter's not saying, well, I didn't really mean Jesus in his suffering brought salvation. I really meant to say that it was water baptism. That is not, I believe that's definitely not what Peter is communicating. So let me say just a few more things and we're going to move on to the next point. Only eight persons truly responded to the Messiah, to the call of God to enter the ark. And God shut the door. The rest of mankind was destroyed by water. And though the storm beat upon the ark, it carried Noah and his wife and his sons and their wives safely through the flood. And when it came to rest upon the mountain, they stepped out on dry land. And as they did that, it is a reminder to us that in the midst of the difficulties of our life, our security is not in, listen church, it's not in a work that's been done in a baptistry, in an ocean, in a pond. Our security rests in that we have been baptized by the Holy Spirit and He resides in us. And that's where our security is. It is not grounded in a work of man. This symbol of the ark with Noah and his family is a picture of who Jesus is and that our safety in this life is grounded in him. And for this to happen and take place, there must be a deep internal work on the soul of man in order that you and I would be made acceptable to God because only God can do that work. We cannot do that work. So what is missing is not an external right that we must do so that salvation would come. We must rest fully on and in Christ. One last statement. If water baptism saved, and this is the supposed meaning from Peter, then we have to ask this question connected to this text in 1 Peter 3. Who got wet on the day the rain and the flood came. Was it the righteous or was it the unrighteous? And it's obvious. It was the unrighteous who got wet. It was the righteous who were dry and were safe inside the ark. Noah and his family did not get wet. They were saved by being inside the ark. So I believe that though there are denominations, there's teachings out there that say, okay, this text says that Baptism saves you. That is not the emphasis of Peter. His emphasis on that is a symbol. It corresponds to this. It's not the substance. Jesus is the substance. So let's, let's look at the next point. What is water baptism pictured then and proclaim? And I'm going to let the scripture speak and we're going to read some passages together. So if you would be ready, we're going to look at some of those. Some of them I'll just read myself. But I tell you what, tell you what, why don't we do this? Go ahead and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 2. 
because that's going to be the place that we're going to kind of look at a, at, at a number of different things. But fourthly, let's talk about what does water baptism picture and proclaim. The first thing that water baptism pictures and proclaims is this, is that scriptural water baptism pictures and proclaims the believer's death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. It, it is a picture of, of the work that He has done for us. So we are, it, it connects us and our identity with what Jesus did. Listen to these, these verses that Paul wrote in Colossians chapter 2, verse 12. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. Now this is not a verse about water baptism. This is a verse about our, our spirit baptism. Secondly, what does water baptism picture and proclaim? Secondly, it pictures and proclaims the death of our old life to sin and our resurrection to walk in the newness of life. So when somebody is baptized, it is a glorious thing. We celebrate that because it reminds us that something new has come in the life of someone. And so, yes, it identifies with us, our, identifies our lives with Christ, His his death, His burial, and His resurrection. But it also identifies that something new has happened on the inside, that we have been born again, something new is present. Thirdly, scriptural baptism pictures and proclaims our faith in the Trinity of the Godhead. Remember these words in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. How are we to baptize them? What's the instruction? You baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This is a missional mandate from Christ Himself to baptize people, and that identity connects us with all three persons, the three in one, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Spirit. I remember several years ago when we were in Asia, and they invited me one day. They were going to have a big big baptism um, celebration, and so Mike Sisko and I were there, and and uh, we went down to this river after the church service, and we baptized 163 people. And they just kept coming. Women came first, and then the men came. We baptized so many times. I did this. I did this motion so many times, this, that after about 50 of them, my hamstrings were cramping, and I was having to stretch and do things. But it was a beautiful, beautiful picture of people proclaiming their identity with God and with every one of those we are baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son and the Spirit. The fourth aspect of what is water baptism picture and proclaim is that it pictures and proclaims our putting on of Jesus. That we are now servants of Jesus. He is our Lord, he is our master. Listen to what Paul writes about our spiritual baptism and what happens. This is Galatians three twenty six. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. Again, not through water baptism. Through faith, for as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. It is, it is an identification, but it is also, even though we don't have sports anymore right now in our country... If we were to go to a sporting event, we would know immediately when the teams came out who our team was, and we know it immediately because of the uniforms that they have on. 
and we identify ourselves with those. And baptism becomes that uniform, this, this picture and reminding us that we, have, we are to put on Christ. Our identity is connected with Him. Now listen to this. Here's another verse, and it's a very strong verse that I believe is a proof text as to why water baptism has nothing to do with completing or adding to or necessary for salvation. This is 1 John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light, as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And listen to these words. And the blood of Jesus, His Son, cleanses us. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So what cleanses us from sin? Water baptism? No, it is the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus doesn't need anything else. It is holy, sufficient enough. So important. So let's move to point five. So who should be baptized? And this is where I want you to to walk with me. Acts chapter 2, verse 41. So I believe the Bible is pretty clear on who should be water baptized. Um, It's called, we talked about it earlier, it is called believer's baptism. So let's see what the Bible has to say about this. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, So those who received His word, indicating salvation, they received His word, they were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. So here in Acts 2, 41, we observe that they received the word, then they were water baptized. Go to Acts chapter 8 now. Acts chapter 8. We find here that they believed and then they were baptized. Acts 8, verse 12. But when they believed Philip, so they believed, they believed Philip's message, they believed in Jesus as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Listen to what it says. They were baptized, both men and women. Go to verse 36 of Acts chapter 8. This is Philip in the Ethiopian eunuch, and here's what the text says. Acts 8.36, as they were going along the road, they came to some water. The eunuch has already believed. Philip has explained Isaiah's text. The eunuch is reading the text, the scroll. And the eunuch says, they come to some water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What prevents me from being baptized? And he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, and Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. So it was belief first, then baptism. Go to Acts chapter 10. In Acts chapter 10, it's plain to see that those who received the Holy Spirit, we read this a while ago, then they were baptized. Listen, lost people do not receive the Holy Spirit. Only believers do. So it's clear in Acts chapter 10, what happens? Acts 10 verse 43. To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him, who believes in him, receives forgiveness of sins through his name. So salvation comes according to that. Who believes in him, they receive forgiveness of sins through his name. It's not water baptism. In verse 44, and while Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. Here we have a picture of salvation. Now look at verse 47 of Acts 10. Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have already received the Spirit just as we have? And he commanded them to be baptized 
in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to remain for some days. Go to Acts chapter 16. It's a beautiful picture in Acts chapter 16 of the Philippian jailer and what happened there. It's clear they believed first and were baptized, Acts 16, verse 30. And then he brought them out and said, here's the Philippian jailer, Sirs, listen to what happens here. Here's the question. What must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. And look at the next text. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all who were in his house. So there's belief that comes first. They don't say, when he says, how, how should I be saved? They don't say, well, we got we, you got any water around here? And then we can baptize you in water. That's not what they say. They say, you believe in Jesus. But what happens in verse 33, and he took them that same hour of the night, and he washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. So their baptism came after believing, which is the scriptural standard. One last one. Look at Acts 18. Crispus, great name, ruler of the synagogue in Corinth. He believed and then was baptized. This is Acts 18, verse 8. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians hearing Paul believed. And then what happened? They were baptized. So who then should be baptized? Only those who have believed in Jesus. That is the evidence. It is called, that's why we call it, believer's baptism. Go ahead and stay in Acts. We're going to look at some things there. So let's talk about the sixth aspect um, today. So where and when should someone be water baptized? When and where should we be baptized? So let's talk about the first question. When is the believer to be baptized. Now, this may surprise some of us today, and, and maybe it makes us a little uncomfortable. We have some ideas about when somebody should be baptized. And so what I'm going to do is I'm not going to put forth um, my ideas about it. I'm just going to tell you what the book of Acts shows us and reveals to us in regard to that. Go to Acts chapter 9. So the Bible teaches that water baptism, we'll see this, follows shortly after spiritual baptism or salvation, the new birth, or being born again. This is the Apostle Paul's life, Acts chapter 9, verse 18. And immediately, Paul had been three days later, Paul has, um, was blinded by Christ earlier on the road to Damascus. He's been thinking about things, Acts 9 tells us. Um, this guy named Ananias comes to talk to him, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight, and then he rose, and what does it say? He was baptized. So this is probably about four days, three to four days after what happened with Paul. Acts chapter 10, we've already looked at it a couple of times, um, but here um, Cornelius believes And then Peter commanded them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And they asked him to remain, listen to this, for some days. So it wasn't after some days that he was there, but they believed. And then they were quickly, pretty quickly after they believed, baptized. So should one wait 
to be baptized, which is often the practice today. Well, Acts 2.41 says this, So those who received the word were baptized, and they were added that day about 3,000 souls. Acts 8.12 says, And when they believed Philip as he preached the good news about the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ, then they were baptized. Even Simon himself believed, and after being baptized, after he believed, he continued with Philip. Acts 8.36, again, going back to the eunuch, he believes, he sees water, he says to Philip, what, pre- what pre- you know, prevents me from being baptized right now? Philip couldn't find a reason, so they stop the chariot, they go down in the water, and he is water baptized. Acts 9.18, Paul is quickly baptized. Acts 10.47 talks about that. Acts chapter 16, Lydia. This is Acts 16.14. And one who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. Now listen to what the text says. And the Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. So she believes. God opens her heart. And verse 15 of Acts 16 says, And after she was baptized and her household as well, she urged us saying, stay. Acts 16, 33, Philippian jailer says these words, he was baptized at once, he and all of his family. Crispus comes to faith in Acts 18, 8. He believed and was baptized. Here's one I haven't shared yet. This is Acts 19, verse 4. Do you remember in Acts 19? Paul comes to Ephesus, or they get to Ephesus, and there are disciples of John the Baptist there. And they've been baptized into John's baptism, and this conversation happens. And so Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling people to believe in the one who was to come after him, that is Jesus. So they've been baptized with John's baptism, but they haven't believed in Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior. And so verse 5, it just says, on hearing this, and I believe what Paul does is he shares the gospel with them. He shares with them, John's baptism was not enough. You've got to place your faith and trust in the Messiah, who was Jesus, whom John affirmed. And listen to what it says. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So these texts about baptism in the book of Acts, led by and done by the apostles, just about all of them, baptism took place almost immediately after salvation or within just a few days. So, um, I'm not going to argue with anybody who wants to wait, but this idea about we need classes and we need all of that, as the church was being established in the first century, it was not their practice. And again, Scripture doesn't say not to wait for a while to make sure people understand and are they serious about it. But the practice, according to the book of Acts, is it seems to be you baptize in water pretty quick. So where? Let's talk about where. Where should somebody be baptized? Well, we've already seen it was all kinds of places. And so... The where, I believe, needs to take place in the presence of other believers. It can take place in an ocean. It can take place in a lake, in a pond, in a swimming pool. Here at the church, we have this 
horse cattle trough that we fill up and you can be baptized in that. So the, so the where doesn't matter, but it should be done with other believers giving testimony for what has happened and taken place in someone's life. So we just have two more things. So let's talk about how. What does the Bible say about how somebody should be baptized? Well, this word, and, and to be honest with you, um, I, I believe the New Testament's really clear about how baptism should take place because when you look at the Greek word, it's just unmistakable. The Greek word means to immerse. It literally means to dip under. So it's not this idea, pour a cup on somebody's head. That's not what the Greek word says. The Greek word says to immerse or to dip under. And there really is, honestly, church, no getting away from that meaning. So immersion in water is the only scriptural method, according to the Greek and according to the text, that should be there. We know from Matthew chapter 3, 13 and 16, Mark 1, 9 and 10, that John the Baptist needed much water, not a little bit of water, but he needed much water, indicating um, a little bit deeper so they could get people there. The word in Acts 8 is also the same word. It is immersion. And the big aspect always with water baptism is this, is that it must always fulfill three things. One, identifying with the death of Jesus, the standing up, identifying with the burial of Jesus, the putting under the water, and then identifying with the resurrection of Jesus being raised up out of the water. Now listen to this. You cannot do that sprinkling. You cannot picture the death of Jesus, the death of our old life. You cannot picture sprinkling without being put under and buried in that picture. And you cannot do that without being raised up out of something. And so I think that's why the, I think the scripture is really clear that baptism is by immersion. Here's the last thing I want to talk about. Why? So why should we be baptized then? Well, I've given lots of reasons today from the Scripture itself. I, I, haven't, I didn't have a denominational handbook up here this morning. Um, this is not something we got from the library. These are things that are straight in the text. Why should we be baptized? And, I, and, and one of the biggest reasons is that it's biblical. Second reason is this is that it gives identity. We, our identity now becomes in water baptism connected to the people of God and connected to the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Again, I shared this earlier. This is Colossians 2, 12. Having been buried with Him in baptism, in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised Him from the dead. And this is to be, according to the Scripture, one of our first acts of obedience after salvation. So why should we be baptized? One, it's biblical. Two, um, for our identification. It identifies us with the people of God and with Jesus. But also this, I think scriptural baptism pleases God. I think it pleases God. It is the, it was, again, it was the practice of Jesus. It was the practice of John the Baptist. It was the practice of Jesus' disciples. It was the practice of the apostles in the book of Acts to baptize people in water. And anytime we obey God and what he says, it pleases him. And I think the last reason 
as to why we should be baptized is that scriptural water baptism is a testimony to the world. Every time somebody is baptized, they are preaching and giving testimony as to what Jesus has done in their life, that they have confessed their sin, that He has come to reside in them, and they have been spirit-baptized, and they are giving a testimony at their baptism of the incredible work that God has done through His Son and through faith in Him. So in conclusion, as we finish this up today, we should understand this and believe that baptism does not, water baptism does not impart, it does not give saving grace. Only Jesus Christ can do this. So we are not saved by water baptism, but we are saved by trusting in Christ. It is the blood of Christ that cleanses us from all sin. And so water baptism becomes an outward symbol of what has already taken place when we believed by faith in Jesus. And I want to close our time just with this. Everybody listening, everybody watching, have you taken this biblical mandate, and it is a mandate, it's not optional. It permeates the Gospels, it permeates Acts, it was the instruction of Jesus. Have you taken... And embrace this mandate to be water baptized to give testimony that salvation has come. If you haven't, when we begin to meet back together, hopefully soon, we would love for you. We'd love to talk with you about that. And we would love as well um, to see you be baptized and get this right. Maybe you were sprinkled. And maybe uh, you need to think about and pray about that sprinkling doesn't picture these three aspects of Jesus's life but it's immersion that does and maybe you need to get that biblically right let's pray together